Welcome to Bridging the Gap, a podcast series where we focus on technology and it's together with me, Ebba Josefsson Lindqvist and me, Peter Kurtzfeldt. And in today's episode, we are very, very happy to welcome Madam President Kersti Kaljulaid from the Republic of Estonia um, to connect a few dots. So first of all, the new and the old Estonia, a country that has had a lot of history, but now also make the change to become a very tech-focused nation. And what we are also going to focus on is the dots between leadership and tech, because that is really how you create the modern nation. And the storyline for today is creating the world's most modern country with the help of technology. So here's our meet with Kersti Kaljulaid, Madam President of the Republic of Estonia. So, Madam President, a warm welcome to Bridging the Gap, a podcast by AI Sweden and Silicon Vikings. Both me and Ebba are very, very honored to be here today at the Estonian Embassy. And this is, I've said that before, but this is our try to get you into Swedish politics and get you to, to start transforming and change the perspective of our politicians, but also talk about Estonia on as a part of the new Nordics. So a warm welcome. Welcome to Estonia. Yeah. We are very worried actually that if you look even for example tourist exchange between Estonia and Sweden tends to be middle-aged or el- elderly. So we are very much interested in having Swedish youth to come and see what Estonia is nowadays. So welcome to Estonia everybody. Thank you. In the, the research we did for this podcast myself with a background in, in the startup scene I am very thrilled to move to Tallinn. Uh, but starting looking at the leadership, because you've kind of fostered a very young nation with now a tech perspective, and especially on the startup scene. What's important for you in terms of leadership? What's your view on our perspective on modern leadership? Well, first and foremost, you must uh, spot the trends. But spotting the trends is not enough. You have also to follow these trends. For example, 20 years ago, Estonia spotted us two trends which were going to influence us most as genetic engineering and digital transformation. Hence, we try to do something on our own side to facilitate this digital transformation, being, by the way, already encouraged by our overtake of a simple intranet system which every business at that time already used into the government sector. Our, our government used intranet at the turn of the century. And frankly, we were astonished how astonished everybody was because in private sector, this was very common. So we're very much encouraged uh, by, by this. Uh, this helped to get the spending through the government budget. You know, I mean, politicians also needed encouragement. But in principle, we spotted this as a trend. And, and, and then as it was the other trend, biotechnology, we also created the Estonian Genome Law and Genome Foundation. In both cases, we thought that if we move quickly, we might have three to five years of advantage before the other nations, bigger and richer, will follow. In the case of digital, it never happened. In the case of genetic engineering, and uh, genome databases, other governments spoiled our market because they came in with not only the law, but also public spending, whereas we were relying on private investment, creating the law, the permissive legal space for uh, Estonian Genome Foundation, but relying on private spending. Now we also spend from uh, public budget because the market was ruined, because everybody started to spend there. But in digital, to our big astonishment, 
20 years later, we are still sitting at the situation where government services are mostly run far more inefficiently in uh, public sectors than in private sectors in, in the most developed nations. And uh, I've tried to analyze why. And my answer is, by the way, not related to technology at all. It's related to the way you run a society. And Estonian society has never been divided into private sector workforce and public sector workforce. Nobody gets any benefits, neither in salary nor in pension, by staying in one job or in one sector for long, which means that we simply and naturally move between various parts of the society. And this creates this synergy to transformation. Because finally, even if we want to say that small governments matter and and we are driven by private sector, which is true, of course, but finally, there is something paradoxical if you think that the only digitally transformed nation is the one which offers all public service online. And is less digitalized if you look at industry because our salary levels are lower, we can still afford people where you cannot. There is something which I've been thinking quite a lot about. There is a paradox and you cannot explain it, I mean, with something very simple. But this connected society as a whole, ability to see the trends, not being afraid to follow these trends, not knowing, not being able to prove to Ministry of Finance that these trends will definitely realize in, uh, in, uh, in future incomes. This maybe defines what Estonia has done. And I remember myself thinking very often, 20 years ago, as an advisor to Prime Minister, everybody came and said, do exactly like we did, then you will become rich. I admit that uh, what co- concerns, I mean, institutions, separation of power, democracy, rule of law, This is indeed the course to follow. But in economy, if I'm doing exactly the same as others, but decades later, I will never catch up. So we anyway needed to look at it differently. And it was this government from 1999 to 2002 which took this view, which was later also promoted by, by the others. Already in 92, of course, we took a different approach to tax systems. We did what everybody says is not possible balance the budget, had proportionate uh, tax rates, it was possible. And it started to bring FDI in, which then later already allowed us to have some resources for this transformation. And final work, it's much easier to think about digitally transforming a nation if somebody else is building the roads and renovating schools. So European Union, Nordic support schemes, I mean, they all helped, mm-hmm. of course. Without them, it would have been loads more difficult to explain to Estonian people why we are doing digital ID and not laying asphalt. And looking at the winds that are blowing in Europe now with almost undemocratic winds uh, growing and, and you having a very multinational approach, seeing that other nations are more of a resource to rebuild, recreate uh, systems, have that is that affected by uh, your history as a leader? You're growing up behind the Iron Curtain. What has made you the leader you are today? Uh, I think rational thinking and common sense, <laughs> because if you are Estonian, then of course you depend on multilateral world order, because I mean, multilateral systems leverage the sovereignty of small nations. I mean, based on, I think it stems from basically the Helsinki spirit. Mm. Uh, I mean, bigger nations have decided to unleverage a little bit their power in order to make sure that each and every nation has the right to decide. So if you look, I mean, at Estonian history, then the only safe place for us is a rules-based multilateral world system. That's why I I fight for it and ready to contribute to it to the levels that, I mean, we, we sit in Security Council, which is an uncomfortable table to sit at, but we do it because we need to contribute to this kind of rules-based world order. It's our obligation. I mean, this is why. Economically, it's even simpler. 
if you are market of 1 million and we started off as a poor nation, we are now rich, but at the lower end. I mean, the market is global, has to be global. This is natural thinking for us. Nobody creates in Estonia a startup for Estonians. I mean, it's unthinkable. And luckily, we are very lucky with our neighbors because in early 90s, Nordic countries were looking for solutions to their cost issue because salaries were rising quickly here. We were the solution to that cost issue, obviously. I mean, so many relocated into our country. But I feel that we have paid back as a society because, you know, this, if you look now, then they, for example, most digitalized kind of thinking you see also in public sector is in Nordic countries. And there has to be a link. Your companies came to Estonia, like Swedbank, SAB, and, and they are experiencing this big, kind of global digital public environment they come back here and they demand similar level of service so in a way we are kind of together influencing each other and and this makes nordics so great place to live in because i feel you all share this kind of world view also like we do in Estonia. so you really are a truly in the startup sector we talk about born globals and you are really a born global nation is that the mindset of all Estonians growing up or is that something you no, train? No, definitely not. If you think of a country where you started a, a major economic transformation about maybe 60 years later than in uh, industrial world in general, and then you catch up very quickly, then the side effects of this kind of productivity rise, urbanization have to be even sharper than, I mean, societies like your own or French or British are feeling. But the side effects are exactly the same. There will be people in remote areas who feel left out. There will be those who are not able to, I mean, follow with this transformation, loss of jobs, um, people who will for a long time stay out of the workforce, particularly elderly. We had all these problems and we had no skills and neither we had money initially to kind of balance these, which has resulted in Estonia in exactly the same kind of processes, like for example, Gilles Jean. People who are disappointed that this kind of transformation has left them behind. Yeah. We are now consciously and also, of course, supported by a European Social Fund, ERDF, trying to alleviate these side effects. But I believe no politician in any country, I mean, is unguilty of, uh, of, uh, of well, handling the side effects. We all should handle these side effects better. And, uh, and I mean, just economic measure. In 30 years, Estonia has halved the gap between Estonian and Finnish economy. You see the radical rapid change of course the side effect has been harsh yeah. therefore and and we are now uh, well trying to of course to to make sure that we have a more equal and balanced development and in this we are very much helped by the technology because you know nowadays jobs are geographically at least neutral more and more estonians actually i mean relocate back to where they originally urbanized from and spend more and more months of the year there to the extent that now we are discussing should we offer schooling and, and, and kindergarten places to people in various places in Estonia, not only in principal place where they live in. Because geography has become such a, such a non-important element in where you work. And by the way, one of the drivers and one of my best examples is a Swedish company who is far more innovative in Estonia, has been since establishing internet banking in Estonia. It's Svetbank. Svetbank already uh, four years ago told me, their, their then CEO, that uh, for two years, if they hire, they never put the geographical tag to the job. And they had relocated from Tallinn more than 200 jobs. They do it for cost relations, but it has a regional development effect. Now the whole world is following. And what is my suggestion to all local governments who have seen depopulization in all world, gratis opportunity. That's super interesting, because Eba, you are a quarterly Estonian. Yeah, exactly. So... 
becoming a little bit personal mm-hmm. here. So my grandfather um, escaped in 1944 mm-hmm. to Sweden. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, then he was uh, um, in his 20s mm-hmm. and lived all his life in, in Sweden, uh, had children. Unfortunately, I don't know any Estonian at all, not even my mother, although she still has her, her Estonian name. But when he finally, in 1995, went back to Estonia the first time, he was really surprised and saddened that basically for him, nothing had happened since he left at the time. And unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to come back again because he passed away in 97. But if he could have seen the country as it is today, I think he would have been really amazed of what's happened, especially in technology and the advancements that you have already mentioned. So what do you think is the secret sauce to... Why Estonia has managed to, as you say, uh, make the gap half uh, of to where Finnish economies, for example. What's Is it cultural or is it... No, it obviously isn't cultural. Because if you think how Estonia, together with, by the way, all European countries, despite knowing very well that our climate policy leads to CO2 price hikes, has not built green capabilities and storage capabilities to the extent which will allow us to realize the Flex for S or Nordic Council of Ministers vision that we only need wind and water mm-hmm. for production and storage, yet we are not ready. Then, I mean, it's the question of seeing the trends and following the trends, which our then leadership was able to do. And we've seen also the CO2 trend, but here again we have, I mean, we have not been totally free to move. I mean, if I, if I think of the digital transformation of Estonian Genome Foundation, this was unregulated territory. If you compare it, for example, to the global internet services market, it is only global because nobody has regulated it. We are now starting to regulate and we need to make sure that we do not fall into protectionism. So in these areas, we are able to freely progress. But if you look at the energy sector, then our green energy bubble, our promise to be green, mm-hmm. has never been airtight for the fact that you can import electricity and other produce into the European Union where the CO2 footprint is left behind our door. So it's not only the lack of foresight, but also the lack of the, I mean, systemic approach to what we are regulating for. And in this sector, we've not been able, neither have you, by the way, been able to move ahead uh, without this regulatory uh, green bubble being complete which again will create different problems because if everybody has their green bubble, then, I mean, still there is a risk of protectionism and so on. Yet we need to, I mean, this is already the worry for OECD and World Trade Organization, but we have to make our green bubble, green bubble yet tight. Because here in Nordics, we have never been ready, and also according to the same flex for s analysis, we are not ready to replace smart legislation with public money because the only ones who can invest despite not having created market space for green technologies, into green technologies are governments. But we don't want to do it, neither you nor us. So we need to kind of understand why we are where we are and then try to convince. And of course, the commission is working on the border levy, but the CO2 mechanism has been established far earlier. So we already have high CO2 prices, no green production and dirty import. So we now need to quickly remedy this situation. As you see, we are not perfect in the areas where we all can only move in unison. Estonia is lagging behind like everybody else. But where we have been able, we've tried. And we've tried to take our own way because we really don't believe in doing everything exactly like anybody else does. I mean, 
you wouldn't have Skype if they had thought that the only way to, and this is our common first unicorn. So if everybody had thought that the only way to make phone calls is like we've been make, making that. So we do think differently and I believe it also is possible to mainstream this thinking by now. You know why? Because it has served us so well, this digital transformation. So now if somebody comes with an idea, for example, to create Accelerate Estonia, which is an accelerator where government puts its own money into the AI and other kind of hopeful startups. And it puts its own money not because it wants to grow them specifically, but it wants them to have influence on our legal space to make sure that it is permissive for these new technologies. So, I mean, these kind of ideas are, are they, they're possible to sell now in Estonia because we have already in, in this same generation seen success with a few of such. So it's now kind of a positive spiral already. And I think you're mentioning something there. Um, I myself, I have a law education working at AI Sweden with a lot of the legal questions that we handle, of course, GDPR and other things related to data sharing, etc. And uh, and you mentioned the legal frameworks a few times. So how can the leaders of a country actually use that tool to mm-hmm. to help technology, for example? You Basically, you have to go to the parliament and ask this question that, for example, you have nowadays delivery robots walking on the streets of Tallinn. And now the question is how we treat them in our traffic code, for example. Okay, there is just delivery robots, but the next robots, how we treat them in traffic code? Because this kind of which is delivery robot, it doesn't cross the street before the cars. Cars have priority. We had to actually teach this to people. I mean, it's not a dog, it's not a child, it's a robot. So we don't wait if your car, because it wouldn't cross anyway before you come. But what is, if it's not anymore a delivery robot, but you will have a kind of humanoid type of robot doing some other tasks in the society. How do we regulate them? Or even if you have a delivery robot, which is not Starship, but somebody else's, how to make sure they're all similarly programmed? And this way you kind of naturally come to this thinking that you need to regulate not in one sector, but I mean globally, and not for current technology generation, but tech-neutrally, up to the singularity of the true AI. Because legal cycle is so long today, well, compared to tech cycle, I mean, traffic code, after all, I mean, it serves us relatively well, but it started 100 years ago before the first highway was started. You see, nowadays tech is moving so quickly. And for some reason, we are very often making this error that we nowadays try to regulate not only the objective, but the pathways. Like, I mean, previously you told to the doctors that the patient's file is secret and you didn't tell them how, like green cupboard red safe, black door, something like this. But when we are regulating technology, because we don't understand it so well, we try to regulate pathways. We shouldn't. And this is what Jan Tallinn has taught me. I mean, you have to regulate for objective, for singularity and cross-sectorally. Only this way you can develop your legal space. And if you're able to have this kind of conversation among politicians, you have a hope. So how do you foster that conversation? Because we talked about this uh, with some of your colleagues here at the embassy before, that in Estonia there's a very compared to Sweden, uh, you have a completely different political system because you don't have professional politicians in the same way. You have you start in the the private sector or uh, end up in and you work in regular businesses and then you move into politics. You know, we're back to square one. Not only in politics, but also not in let's say our permanent secretaries. Most have also private sector experience. Our permanent secretaries happily exit the doors of the ministry, knowing they will be hired in private sector. I mean, we're back to this. I mean, we're all together. So. I For example, if Marek Helm, who left Estonian tax board, chief tax board, and became the uh, important important developer in Nortal, which is one of our biggest e-government uh, service 
exporters. Then he took his knowledge about tax ports. He's very useful for Nortal in creating tax ports, electronic tax ports elsewhere. But he also is able to relate back to Estonian government what still needs to change until we reach the stream that no business even has to have a bookkeeping. Tax port does it for them. It's all automatically done. You see, I mean, this kind of dissemination from private to public and backwards. And Estonia is a truly digital nation now. You have the e-government. Uh, you were f- the first nation in the world that t- totally transformed. What was the keys to doing so? You, t- you talk about transporting, but it's also uh, a matter of, of system integration, uh, looking at uh, what type of system you should have. How did you succeed? Funnest, funnest is always explaining this in Nordic countries because it was your companies from Sweden with technology, I mean, which came to Estonia from Finland, with which we started the crossroads, X-Road, Palveluväula in Finland. And Sweden has still not joined the Nordic Interoperability Institute to be on the same platform, developing something different. But finally, I'm sure we will cross each other somewhere on ADAS, which I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that exists. And I'm sure we have catalyzed the development of ADAS because we demonstrated it's possible to have this kind of digitally run public service. It was the Swedish banks who started offering in Estonia online services for the simple reason that Estonia is extremely not densely populated country. Size of Netherlands, population of a million. Poor. How do you offer services to these people? Technology was there. Obviously, I mean, Estonians were better on uptake because we had no banking services whatsoever. Them having them online was pretty nice, we found. Of course, online then meant village library or school school library with a computer with internet connection, not home or, or something like this. But it was possibility not to take a bus ride to Swedbank's office and queue. I mean, and we grabbed this opportunity and they knew it's easier to do in a country where just a couple of years before the government had decided that everybody can only get their salary into a bank account and every Estonian had created their bank account. So a couple of years later, it didn't seem such a big change to put banking online. So they took this risk, they won. But then, of course, government noticed what they were doing and, and we had similar problems. We didn't have government offices. I mean, for example, you don't have tax offices in Estonia because in Soviet Union there is no salary, no tax. Very simple. So we needed to teach Estonians to pay taxes. And of course, it occurred to us that, I mean, if the banks do this online, then if we could do taxes online, people maybe would agree to even pay them. Particularly, the Estonian system is such that you pay first and then you may get some rebates later on. So actually doing tax declaration normally means more money next week than less money. And the tax board nowadays pays back in five days. But then, I mean, the first service was tax board. And the gateway to this was through electronic banking system. And then, I mean, the banks also realized that if the government is going to proceed in this direction, they don't want to take the legal responsibility of guaranteeing identity. And they came to the government and said, we have to do something about it. You are doing the very right thing. But we need a common gateway, which has also the legal guarantee, for example. And and if you can create this kind of gateway, and by the way, technology exists. Look, something is there already. It's called keyless signature infrastructure. And then, I mean, we were simply quick followers. <laughs> we didn't create anything. And and then it started. I mean, all services probably got online from this initial musings of 97, well, 2003, 2004, and it wasn't easy to interconnect them. We had to apply their once-only principle so that Government offices do not create separate databases and so on, so on. It's not all been like kind of smooth national movement at all. It's been arguments, arguing, erring, trying, but we got there. And why did other governments did not do it? I'm back to this social issue. You are separated in the private and public sector. We aren't. Fairly easy. 
so, so how uh, having such a, a, a natural system for you, uh, because you, you have the exchange between sectors, but how do you create a democratic values in a digital system that is normally seen as centralized? I don't agree. I mean, you you do hold your companies responsible for upholding, I mean, democratic values in all other sectors. Yes, there was a, a kind of lag before the governments realized that, oh my God, people acting and transacting online, and we haven't done much to uphold their values and their rights also in this sphere. We again had, because our public and private sector services are run by the same gateway, so together. So we have been developing in one and in another sector together. And Europe has belatedly realized and has created a, a system for upholding our rights in the digital sector and sphere. But it has to continue working in this vein because because Europe is not the origin of the global digital regulation thinking, even if it's doing the best But it's not kind of aggressively selling what we're doing, even if, of course, multinationals, when they realize GDPR, for example, is a good thing, they do apply similar and demand their own government, something similar. But they're not the leaders in this process. And and, and therefore, we still have the situations where we Europeans kind of cringe when when there is a, a big multinational company who takes politicians offline because they choose to do so in goodwill, I admit, for reasons I might understand. But still, I mean, we have to constantly think that, I mean, this digital is now normal. I mean, it's part of our life. It's not like separate sector or anything. And the best way to now regulate this space is exactly like we do in analog. And what has been Estonian contribution trying to globally move this thinking, we've gone from the civil to the military and taken this debate to the United Nations Security Council to kind of promote this understanding that our analog legal space is fully applicable also in the digital There is a lot of academic analysis, starting from Tallinn manuals one and two, also in the UN-owned working groups in the first committee. They've done a great job, but there was the missing link was the Security Council, which will, I mean, then set it into kind of international law, which is a case law, that analog space applies in digital. We've been able, within our two years in the Security Council, in an opportunistic way, I admit, we grabbed just one cyber attack against one nation, which case was anyway on the radar of the Security Council, Georgia. And with the help of US and UK, took it to the Security Council. Then we had created a case. Having created a case, you start pushing for discussion in Security Council on how it applies in digital sphere or analog law. And we've achieved this in two years that we now also had an official debate. What also helps is governments declaring their own intent on how they see how analog law applies in cyberspace. We have done so, for example, UK has done so. So we try to kind of promote this international legal space in first in security, but we nowadays know that, I mean, there is no strict, unfortunately, not even in the classic conflict nowadays, civil society is not exempt. It's not like in the 19th century where military men went and fought and the civil society while receiving letters that somebody's dead was continuing. We are now in it altogether, it's intertwined. So it doesn't matter where you push, it will help us all in all sectors. I think that's very, very interesting. When I did my master thesis, I did uh, on uh, the concept of armed attack in uh, cyber warfare. Uh, And I think these questions are very, very interesting. Um, However, I will kind of slightly go back to the startup sector. And as you mentioned, uh, one of the common unicorns, uh, Skype, was also out of Estonia. And you have an amazing number of unicorns coming out of uh, Estonia. And 
What do you think is the story behind why Estonia has been so, so successful in this field with having these tech companies quickly growing and also going global? Uh, legal space is permissive for digital development and startups. For example, if you want to create an energy startup which informs itself from the from the electricity grid, how much anybody and I mean really everybody who uses electricity is using at which times are peaks, which mm-hmm. times are low. Then you need smart grid. We have smart grid created by the law. So you can create startups based on the smart grid. Similarly, if you have digitalized public service, then also the private sector service software needs to be on par. So all the kind, all these kind of innovations kind of stick very easily into Estonian uh, public soil. I mean, we are not we are not in any way, because we have this kind of legal space which also protects us in internet. Our digital ID allows you to be identified and encrypted online. So we all know it is also safe in Estonia. So this has had obviously an influence. But you have to also admit that the big part of this kind of really rapid development goes back to one particular occasion, and this is the sales of Skype. Why did Skype developers bring their money back to Estonia? I don't think it was just patriotism. Yes, partially, definitely. But the Estonian economic climate, I mean, our government basically nowadays still takes always 20% of a risk of every investment. You know how? We do not, I mean, on regained, uh, on reinvested income, we do not pay taxes in Estonia, which means that the government is waiting. I mean, until you invest into your next and next and next idea, and only when you now take dividends, we ask 20% of a tax. See, we are always within any business development automatically, without any, I mean, rebates or exemptions, automatically also invested in. And this kind of open economic climate and this kind of, I mean, also we are in very free economy and so on. But at the same time, part of a big market by the time when Skype was sold European common market. So this means they found it really useful to bring their money back to Estonia. But these guys, of course knew mostly of these digital startups which also had been stemming from Skype. Many ideas stemmed from Skype. I know myself a few. My own son actually was part of developing one of them as well. And then the ne- when the next unicorn is created again, if it's created by the sales, money comes back as long as our economic climate is one of the best in Europe. And the market is small, but it doesn't matter. The legal space is permissive. This matters. And the tax system is, is also good and useful. But I do think that instead of nowadays supporting capital investment, actually, we could support more kind of human capital, which means that you could give companies an opportunity in the future to pay less taxes on their payroll if it's, I don't know, 60, 70, 80% of their total cost, which is normal. We are discussing these things. We're not yet moving, but I think we might one day because this is more important nowadays than just, I mean, uh, having a a good system of uh, capital investment. But we will do what our unicorns tell us because they are an important part of the economy. Uh, They hire only 1% of our workforce, but pay 6% of the salaries. So they influence the whole economic ecosystem already. They are as big as agriculture in Estonia nowadays. And they've always themselves said that their development cycle is exponential. You may or not believe it as a politician, but if you look timeline, Skype, then Playtech, how long it took and how now the curve is going up. I mean, the unicorn creation has been now even more than one a year in the last year. 
They may be right that their development indeed is exponential. I hope they are. So uh, you're kind of mentioning there the, the investment climate in a way, what the government can do. And then, of course, you can have angels and VCs. So what can we see in terms of the new Nordics? I mean, we're all a bunch of small countries here, but we have uh, outstanding technology and uh, innovation coming out of these countries. What can we do to kind of leverage each other's system? Because you've mentioned some of the differences that we have. How can we kind of help each other? be by, stronger together yeah i mean by going together as a region i think we should really market ourselves as, as nordic baltic and and i think i mean markets anyway are taking notice because we all have some kind of uh, i mean element where we are strong i mean sweden in, in industrial design denmark simply in design estonia now in digital transformation finland just being really good in uh, in also in their in their public sector ecosystem in supporting business development and research and development where you all excel as well and If we market ourselves together as a region, I don't see anybody globally more competitive than we are. And it links in nicely with another region which we are part of, which is Free Seas. I mean, it's something which started as an initiative for for economic development to avoid Chinese or Russian capital overtake of this region, which is less developed in Europe. But by marketing us as a region, we have now created kind of consciousness and our own businesses. Five years ago, if I looked, nobody was even in Poland. Now everybody's in Poland and moving down south. So, I mean, you can do wonders by, I mean redefining yourself as an economic region or cultural region and we are in it all together i mean baltic sea rim nordic baltic i mean for me this this is something which i believe in and i believe more and more businesses from our region also do and foreign capital we all are very rich in uh, nobody has difficulties in financing any good idea in any nordic country so i mean we should be smiling and thinking how we can contribute to the rest of the world with our fantastic opportunities Thank you. That's very encouraging. <laughs> That's really what I'm hoping yeah. for as well. The new Nordics. Yeah. So, so ideas is one thing, and execution is another. And and as Estonia, Estonian startup scene has been very very successful in in execution. Uh, you have the the highest unicorn per capita in the world. Uh, we should note, and we could sit with you, Madam President, for for hours and talk about this. But we only have a couple of few, uh, more minutes. So we want to end with. A question about a nation in the new world. So how do you view the nation? What's the nation's role in a truly digital and neutral geographical world? I'm still an Estonian and I'm part of one million people. And even all this digital global development and and making sure that every Estonian, wherever they live, can have a link to Estonia by voting in Estonia, by putting their children into Estonian school because it is possible to study I mean remotely in Estonian school has been before pandemics by the way we we keep we try to keep our people linked to our country in a way that we provide them unconditional safe talk and we are succeeding because when pandemic started Estonians realized that we have the most efficient and easy to access medical system they flocked home because of pandemic when Estonian salaries are rising when they went above 1000 euros People started to come back because they realized that, I mean, the ecosystem of Estonia is so good. And anyway, real estate cost takes the rest, what they earn more away in if they live in richer countries. So we want to be a safe talk, but we do not want to set too many conditions to our people. Like you have to work from nine to five in one company, which is in our country. You cannot. I mean, this is 21st century. We have fr- free movement of labor in European Union. What is more natural than allowing then people to vote from Portugal? And this is what is the role of a, of a nation state. Keep the cultural space together, no matter what. Be the safe talk for your citizen, which they trust the most in the world. 
Madam President, thank you so much for giving a very modern perspective on leadership and how to drive a nation. I hope that you will have a bigger impact on the Swedish society and that we have a greater exchange because this is something that our politicians need to learn and uh, that we can share a lot of knowledge. We have the first ever Estonian-Swedish bilateral kind of uh, working group going on led by Per Nuder on your side. Uh, to make sure that we do cooperate on, on climate, digital and youth most. So I hope it will also deliver its results for all of us. Yeah. That sounds very promising. Thank you so much. Thank you.